Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. Well, welcome back to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. My guest today is Tammy Bucks. Tammy, I did not know this, and I admitted this to you just a few minutes ago, that you are a TEDx speaker. But <laughs> what we had decided we were going to talk about before I knew this was kind of the Vancouver, Southeast Washington thing, which is kind of the area that you live in. But I want you to introduce yourself to the audience. But I really, before we even go to Vancouver and all that, I want to know about TEDx. So, Tammy, welcome. There you go. Thank you for having me, Scott. Um, yeah, I've worn many hats in my 55 years around the sun. <laughs> uh, so I, um, I used to work at a university in Perth, Western Australia, and uh, that is not the TEDx connection. <laughs> um, my husband worked in the Silicon Valley. He got very sick. I took a sabbatical, came to the Silicon Valley. I was living there. He was living here for you know, visa mm -hmm. reasons and whatever. And um, I, he got better. Okay. But in the meantime, I had realized I had to look after myself okay. if I was be able to look after him. And so I uh, did this compassion meditation course at Stanford University. And it oh. taught me so much about oh. how we need to have compassion for ourselves in order okay. to have compassion for others. And so when I finally went back to the university, I thought maybe I need to tell people about it. So I enrolled in some public speaking courses and they ended up being people who actually were teaching storytelling, storytelling on stage. Okay. And it all started from there that I did two courses and those women actually had open mic nights once a month at a local bar and I performed some stories on stage or told stories on stage. And then that's how I became um, interested in maybe speaking on a TEDx stage. And it all sort of snowballed from there in a very good way. But I wasn't talking about research and, you know, the latest findings about longevity or vulnerability or whatever it is. I just told my own life story. Um, when my mum passed away when I was nine years old and uh, how that profoundly affected my life for the next 40 years. And it wasn't until I turned 50 that I kind of had enough um, strength, inner strength and compassion for myself to mm -hmm. go back and revisit that time when I bottled it all up inside and never wanted to face it. So okay. it's it's... Yeah, I'm going a bit deep. Sorry no, no, no. So, so here's, you know, an interesting, aside, at least to me, it's interesting aside. I was trying to pick up your accent and I was thinking maybe Washougal, maybe, you know, I'm kidding, but I, <laughs> lovely, lovely accent. Um, one question. So you, you took a course at Stanford and then you said yes. you went back to college. Do you mean back in Australia? Went, I went to Australia and I was working at a university. Right. Before, be, before you came over. But when you're, when you, after, after you, after you went to, took the class at Stanford, did you go back to Australia or was this, um, okay. Yes. Okay. I went to, so I had, because, you know, I was waiting for the green card and everything. There was, I could only come for a certain amount of time. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. And that's when it happened that I took sabbatical from work 
got my husband better, came, yeah. went back to my job and, um, then okay. yeah, the rest kind of came out the way I'm, it came out. We've heard of long distance relationships before, but that's, that's kind of a long, you know, Silicon Valley to Australia is a, that's a, a bit of a, how many hours difference was that? 16 hours. Yeah, so that makes, makes communication a little interesting. Yeah, yeah. but it, it worked, uh, you good. know, good, good. <laughs> we made it work and I've been here like four years now. So, okay. so. <laughs> Yeah. So that was pre that, that predates you to Washington state. So awesome. Mm -hmm. Why, why did you move to Washington? What was the, what was the inspiration and in, in reasoning? Uh, okay. So it was sort of pandemic related. I think a lot of people would say that. So my husband was still, you know, I got all my green card and I came and I quit my job and I came and lived. Um, we lived in San Jose okay. and then the pandemic came and we were stuck inside a three room apartment. <laughs> like he was working off the kitchen table and I was, I was actually doing a yoga instructor's course from the foot of the bed, which was maybe four feet wide and 10 feet long. And, um, I, I, it, it actually set me up for teaching during the pandemic as well. Everyone was on zoom, but we, um, realized that we needed to kind of improve our living situation. And my husband went to Oregon state university, okay. but he, when he graduated, he started working at Microsoft in Bellevue. So he was really familiar with the area. We had some friends who moved up, um, and we just thought, wow, it's kind of a beautiful place. Southwest Washington, we were looking at Camas and different areas. And then we found the most beautiful, beautiful home in a price range that we could afford. And we made the move. So it wasn't too alien to my husband. And mm -hmm. I don't know, I came here and I felt like this is home. This is, it reminds me, Vancouver reminds me of Perth, where I'm from. I grew up in the 70s and it was pretty like, you know, you knew your neighbors You'd, you'd like um, just be very community focused. People were friendly. They had time for you. It was a slower pace of life. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. I just felt like I fit in. Yeah, okay. it is slower, but it's, you know, it, it. if you want that excitement, you can just half an hour's drive to Portland or two and a half to two, two hours drive to Seattle. So, so it's the, not too bad. <laughs> the, the running gag here is that Portland's dead to me, but um, no, I oh. can't. No, that's okay. okay. You, you already said he went to Oregon State, which I didn't. I didn't. I guess we're gonna have to mark this. You know, not safe for children language. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> just, just teasing. Um. So you you moved to the Vancouver area, which is which is such an area that's growing so rapidly in the area. It's just it's just one of those. How do I want to say this? So Washington State, as you probably have figured out or are figuring out, you know. Um, it always rains and everyone lives in Seattle. I mean, those are the two preconceptions that I think uh, the vast, the va I think even us in Washington state believe those two things, but the, the, the really the, the misconception I think that people outside of the Pacific Northwest have is that really is that everyone lives in Seattle and it's always raining. And what, when you start to dispel that fallacy, you, you start to realize that why spoke or why why Seattle is a very large city and lots of people do live there and it does rain there you know a bit there are other areas of the state that are growing so quickly you don't you wouldn't even realize Vancouver being one of them the Tri-Cities area and and even anywhere in eastern Washington is is growing quite rapidly uh, percentage wise smaller numbers easier to have bigger percentages but 
Vancouver doesn't seem to get the notoriety. And I think it's because I think when, I think what happens is you, you jump over Vancouver and go to Portland. So everything is, you're in the shadow of Portland, um, which isn't fair. Um, it's not fair to Vancouver. So if, if I were asking you to be my tour guide, walk me through a good day in the Vancouver area. Let's, let's just say for this, this question, I'd like you kind of just to keep me in Vancouver, not, let's mm-hmm. not go out of that area yet. Why should I, I don't want, I don't want to make it like that. What are the cool things in Vancouver that I probably wouldn't stumble on without an insider helping me out? Well, you know, I think there's a little bit more. Um, I think people know a little bit more about Vancouver than they used to, maybe, but I might be wrong. Uh, so when when we first moved here, we were just we loved that new um, downtown waterfront area. It is so beautiful. It's safe. It's clean. It's picturesque, mm-hmm. and um, it's like a you know huge multi multi million dollar if not billion dollar i'm not really sure i haven't looked at the numbers but i think lots it's of getting money close there. to lots of money a lot of money so it was an old industrial port owned by the port of vancouver mm-hmm. and they revitalized it and and um there's shops and restaurants and living um lots of you know mixed use mm-hmm. apartments and things like that and so that's one of the areas that I find is a really beautiful place to show people like straight away because it's lively and especially in summer, like, okay, yes, it does rain, but our summers are amazing. You know, the weather, it's so sunny. It almost never rains in in summer and mm-hmm. it's warm, sunny, long, you know, we've got long nights and beautiful sunsets down at the waterfront. That's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a really nice long walking trail. And there's a little bit of the old Vancouver. If you if you head sort of west uh, towards Lake Vancouver side, on that trail, you'll see all the old rail yards. And there's a lot of train movement. So I find it's, it's kind of really authentic as well, because if you want that, you can just keep on going down and you can hear the train clack, clack, clacking <laughs> on the bridge and things like that. Okay. Um, so the waterfront is lovely. And then... Just on the other side of I-5, on on the eastern side of I-5, very close to downtown, is Fort Vancouver and Officers Row. And it's such a serene, quiet place. You would be thinking that you're worlds away from, you know, that heavy traffic on the, on the I-5 bridge that crosses over from Oregon to Portland. I think you're a couple of miles away. You can actually hear the sounds of of the of the traffic but if you keep on going deeper into offices row and into the parkland there's parade grounds and beautiful very stately homes that have been preserved it's actually a national historic site mm-hmm. a lovely place to walk your dog or to just you know relax and um just sit under the trees or whatever take a break that's a really lovely place to go to and there's very quirky shops downtown okay it's almost like um anything and everything you ever thought of there's love potion magical shop like it kind of stuck out when we drove down main street we're like wow what is love potion magical it's been there for ages right Mm -hmm. and they've got all sorts of esoteric interesting things inside you've got um one of my favorites also 
if I'm not a coffee drinker, but I do like to go to Dandelion Tea House. (laughs) So Dandelion Tea House is downtown and they've done it up so beautifully. It's a place where you can like hang out and work or meet friends or whatever. And they've got beautiful little tea concoctions and things like that. And it's all brightly colored rainbow colors. And they've even got like a a nod to the Partridge family in the restroom. It's all done up in that 70s look and it says, um, come on, get happy. So people from a certain <laughs> era will know that we're talking about the Partridge family and that. Partridge family. So it's very like this. It's very individual. I wonder whether it's like different from Portland because I think people here, um, they just are who they are and they're following their passion and then they just open up these shops and mm-hmm. there's a knitting shop that has just opened yarns. Mm-hmm. It's a yarn shop and it's kind of down on Main Street and that people sit and they knit and they crochet and they chat and they have community. There's a there's a um, a clay uh, clay painting and making shop right down next to Little Conejo, which is one of the best um, taco places. So there's all of these really eclectic eateries and shops and individual businesses that are just like right up against each other. Okay. And it makes for this beautiful melting pot. Um, and I think a lot of them are women-owned businesses, which is fabulous. So is. I'm kind of a downtown kind of girl. I don't live too far. I can go from, I don't need to get on the freeway. I can just drive down Fruit Valley Road, which is obviously the old fruit orchards, et cetera, mm-hmm. and just get to downtown in about 15, 17 minutes just from that back road and then just be immersed in some of the beautiful old architecture or the quirky shops or the great food or, you know, the the, co- the coffee and the tea well, houses. Okay. So I've got to, you know, normally I ask this question later on in the episode, but you already disclosed much to my disappointment that you're, you're not a coffee fan. I love coffee. So I got to put you on the spot in downtown Vancouver, where's a coffee shop that you've heard people talk about? I won't ask you where it's good. I won't ask you to, but what, oh. who, where's the buzz? The, the definitely it's relevant coffee and it's not spelt spelt it's got like i think it's got the two e's out of it so it's mm-hmm. are, are relevant something mm-hmm. like that right um it's just like got cues out the door and it's kind of really airy and light and spacious and lively inside like very it's quite uplifting um okay. So that's downtown. That's actually, we, we have Uptown and Downtown, even though it's not that big, but there's a little section called Uptown. So that's in Uptown and it's just right next to Downtown. It's not a big deal. But I actually do have meetings in a coffee shop very regularly called Thatcher's Coffee and that's in Grand Boulevard. It's just a little, just a little past downtown mm-hmm. um, going east on Highway 14 and then not too far from the Columbia River. It's just a few you know, a few blocks away from the Columbia River uh, Renaissance Trail. And that place is, I. whenever I go there, I always see someone I know. I haven't even been here this long, you know, right. and I'm always bumping into people. It's And they've got a really good selection. I you normally get the matcha, the green matcha tea there. Okay. And um, they've got indoor-outdoor and, yeah, really yummy little treats to eat. Okay. And it's a, a nice vibe there. Because yeah, coffee's coffee is super important it's super mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. every community has to have a great coffee shop that's my honest i honest opinion i think uh you can you can learn so much about a community um uh, when people gather like interesting i really kind of like one of the things you said that was i think 
kind of very cool is that the, the knitting shop where people are actually sitting around knitting. And at first I kind of, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I kind of did a mental like yawn, like, oh. but actually in all fairness, that's very cool that the, the store brings that sort of connection to people that are into knitting and, and it's, I, I know people that are into, into that and um, it's very popular. Very, very popular and very devoted people. And so I like the idea that they, they're the, 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 a, a, a merchant has makes place for community within it. So coffee shops lend them, can lend themselves to that. So I always, I always gauge my enthusiasm for a community based on coffee. That's just my thing. And relevant is a very cool coffee shop. It is. Oh, have you been? I've been, yeah, it's very Yay. cool. Yeah, um, very cool. And there's the other one that I cannot think of. I cannot think of the name of it. It's a woman-owned coffee shop. It's right where the farmer's market is on Saturdays. Oh, Cassie X. I think that's yes. how you say it. Yes. And she was, uh, there was a barista competition in Portland. Sorry, mm -hmm. but you know. That's no, okay. You might have to like. We're just going to mark out. this one as explicit. And that's just the way this episode's yeah. going to go. Bleep. Yeah. Um, there was a barista <laughs> There was a barista competition at the Expo Center across the river, mm -hmm. and she was our representative over there. Like, she's pretty oh, yeah. badass. Like, she's yeah, she got is. a reputation. I don't know her name, but she has two um, outlets now. One is next to the farmer's market, next to opposite Esther Short Park, and she's got um, another uh, coffee house on the waterfront, on the new waterfront. Oh, that's, um, that's wonderful yeah. to hear. She's got a nice corner uh, section where she has some outdoor space, mm -hmm. indoor space, and um, that's a really great hangout place as well. So like have you the, have you been in that, her the one by the park, have you been in that location? Yeah. Have yeah. you, the thing that got me when I was there, and I never seen this in real life, um, she has a siphon press. Have you ever watched the, the, her, the, 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 oh, you need to go in there and just watch when they're using a siphon press, they it's it's like a science experiment. It's like oh. there's a, a a halogen. It's a like a Bunsen burner. It's and it's halogen though, so it, it's it's lights and it it it. When I was there, the 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 lighting was red, so the water's bubbling and it's red and it goes up and it it's it's like watching a science experiment. Even if you don't drink the coffee, just to watch the preparation is absolutely so so cool it, and she was such a, 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 a she was a wonderfully welcoming uh person the store wasn't very busy when i was in there so we chatted for quite a while and i was just super impressed and the way she sources her coffee um she tries to buy from a uh, woman-owned growers primarily in mexico and so she's she's really trying to make the whole supply chain as um ethical and in in coffee has a you know there's there's some problems with coffee um and she's she's making a substantial effort to um, do right and I, I think that's awesome okay so we've spent a, a little bit of time in vancouver but now i'm hungry and you 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 said another word that i really like you mentioned tacos just kind of you kind mm. of slipped you kind of slipped tacos in let's go back uh it's lunchtime on our random journey today where's a great place to grab lunch in vancouver yeah, so I did mention Little Conejo. That's like one of my favorites because it's like, like non-fussy, like mm -hmm. just what you see is what you get. And they've just got a very small menu, um, 
which I think a small menu speaks volumes about the quality of the food because they're really good at doing a few things. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, you know, not always, but I feel like when the menu's like a, a really readable and approachable mm-hmm. and it's got everything you want on it, then what do you need? Why do you need to go, you know, write an encyclopedia, right? And so they have, um, you know, my favorite is the fish taco and they have a really nice prawn one as well. The beef, they're all good. Even the mushroom one. Oh, I had uh, their mushroom tacos is really, really yummy. And um, uh, so, yeah, so that's a kind of cool place because they have like all these old kind of tables and chairs inside, like repurposed and Okay. vintage thrift thrifted or whatever which adds to the atmosphere right. and they've got a little outdoor seating area as well okay. so we often go down there um and grab a bite which mm-hmm. is lovely okay yeah um oh and there was something i i mean am i allowed to oh not allowed but <laughs> there was a big hyped thing that happened and it was hyped and i didn't I got sucked in and then I was very disappointed. There was this supposed to be the Winston's British Fish and Chips truck. Okay. Uh, so the guy said that he was the chef to Princess Diana or something. Mm-hmm. And so he licensed his name and he collaborated with these people who live somewhere here in Southwest Washington. And we went, because I'm from Australia, we do really good fish and chips. Okay. Former British colony. Mm-hmm. You've got the beer battered fish and chips. We we're spoiled for choice of how good our fish and chips are in Perth, especially because we're like a um, beach town. Mm-hmm. It's not even a town; we're like a million something people, but it's a beach city. So we have a lot of seafood, and so we went there with great anticipation. It was okay; like there was this thing about it being traditional fish and chips with the mushy peas and the curry sauce and all of that. It was just okay, but. Um, yeah, that was sometimes you get let down and you get pulled into the hype. So, so we're gonna uh, go, we're gonna go down a rabbit hole now, okay? Yeah, we're gonna go down a rabbit hole because I was gonna ask you about Australian food, but you you gave me you you I'm not gonna ask that question. I, I'm gonna go a different quick different direction. I've had a guest on before. He is the uh, the stadium announcer for the Seattle Sounders, and he he's British. Um, and there's something about Australian and British accents that are just just really cool i mean you could just speak gibberish and it sounds cool so we're we're like we love it so he was a guest on the show and wonderful man just enjoyed our conversation greatly and we we follow each other on social media and this was i think on twitter two three weeks ago and somebody posted and I, i don't know why but they they posted something along the lines of um Name one thing, and it was it was kind of trying to be a dig at the UK, and I think it was probably around the coronation, all that. And I'm not trying to go there, but it was like name one thing that the British do better than Americans. And his response was fish and chips. Okay, and so you just brought fish and chips. Now, now that I've set the table, in your opinion, as from Australia, what are we doing wrong? here in the United States, and I'm not trying, I'm not being defensive. I'm asking, I want to know what are we doing wrong with our fish and chips so that you feel that that experience was meh and James felt that we don't do fish and chips well here. Why do you think we're lacking? Um, I think the bat is too thick. 
And so in Australia, what happens is, so in Perth, we have a fish called snapper. I don't know if you have snapper here, but, yeah. and the snapper is not small. Mm-hmm. So in, so in Australia, and I'm, you know, I can't speak to the British one because I haven't been there for ages, but the snapper is a good size. So we do one fillet that is a good size fillet and it gets dipped into the batter and it gets held up and all of that batter comes off it. So there's this crispy, thin, light, subtle crisp on the top because the fish has to shine through. Okay. It's not about the batter and the batter, but the batter and often there'll be a beer batter. And even here I've had beer batter, but somehow there's not that lightness and that almost melt in the mouth. It's crisp and then it melts, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, so to me, whenever I've had it here, it's just the batter is too thick and then you lose the, um, you want there to be more taste of fish in every bite than batter. And then um, that's where I feel like probably, and then I don't know what, what ingredients go into the batter over here because mm-hmm. it seems very stodgy and it can almost be a little, almost undercooked on the inside. It can get a little gluggy. Mm. Never want that. You just want that. I, 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 I don't think it's the same as tempura. It's not the same um, ingredients, but it's almost that light. Even even here in America, the tempura is not that great. There's something about the batter being thick because maybe they want it to make to make it look bigger and not put the larger sized seafood inside. I can't add anything. I can't, I can't defend or condemn our fish and chips. Uh, I just know, I don't disagree. With, I, it's not, not whether I disagree with you or not. I, I, I agree. I have had fish and chips where it's been all about the batter and mediocre at best fish. I was just curious because you also said curry, which I, I don't think of curry with fish and chips. I think what's, yeah, I think what's happened in England is there's so much um, Indian and Pakistani influence, which Mm -hmm. my family's from Pakistan back in the day, like a hundred years ago or whatever. And so that cuisine has infused, it's actually called the British, curry is like the British national dish almost, right? Right. And so what, what they do, so, oh, I had actually, I had a really good um, fish and chips when I went to Edinburgh last year at the Gordon um, Ramsay restaurant. I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, so that was all nice and crisp. And then you get the mushy peas on the side. That's very traditional British, but then you get this curry sauce, which in Australia, we don't do it, but it looks like in Britain they do now. And Mm -hmm. then it's something where you would use it as a dip, um, dip your chips in it, dip your fish in it and, but I'm not sure. So I got to tell of, you, you're losing me with the mushy pea thing. Like, oh, because I'm thinking like school cafeteria canned peas. And that's just ugh, bad, bad memories from a long, long time ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, so at Gordon Ramsay's restaurant, the mushy peas were like incredible. It was springtime. They were fresh spring Right. And they're not mushy, mushy. They're just, it's not mushy. It's like, it's almost like you have a very light mashed pea. Okay. Like you would mash 
potatoes or mash a cauliflower or something, but still keep the integrity. If the peas, so it's peas and mint, and I don't know what, delicious. Mm. I was surprised actually, but it is very traditional in England. You go to the pub mm -hmm. and you can get fish, chips, and mushy peas, so, and gravy okay. or whatever. I'm not right, sure. So let's, I'm going to pull this back to Washington State, but I'm going to bounce back out to Australia here. Do you, do you drink beer? No. Okay. Because craft beer, craft brewing in Washington State's huge. And I, one of the things, and I've never been been to the UK or to Australia, but you know, there's the whole we drink our beer cold here; they drink their beer warm. Never quite got that. I watched Ted Lasso. That's my my introduction to British British pub food is watching Ted Lasso. So I must know everything. Um, but you're not a beer fan, so we, we can skip that one. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Can't answer That's okay. that. <laughs> That's okay. We won't, we won't ask you to make up anything. So <laughs> what else has Vancouver got going for it that you find? What do you, so what do you and your husband like to do? Uh, let imagine now it's a Saturday afternoon. What, what's going on? What's happening? We are huge road trippers. We do day trips. We do overnight trips. We do two day trips. We do go in the morning, come in the evening, cover hundreds of miles because it's just something we just love to explore and see different places and experience different landscapes and stuff. So okay. of a weekend, we would actually, there's quite a few beautiful places to see that's within 45 minutes of downtown Vancouver. Uh, so obviously the very typical kind of thing is to go on highway 14 and head towards the Columbia Gorge, go through Washougal and then end up close. The close viewpoint is Cape Horn Overlook, which to me, it never ceases to amaze me how beautiful that spot is. It's right on the cliff. And then you've got this gorgeous stretch of land and forest underneath, and then the Columbia River, and then all of the waterfall corridor on the opposite side of you. And every time I go there, I'm like, I should be singing the sound of music and, <laughs> you know, climb every mountain. It just makes me feel like, you know, Maria on top of that hill in Austria. And, you know, it's kind of green and beautiful and rolling. Um, so that is really pretty. And then if you continue a little further and go through to Skamania County, um, there's a, uh, a lovely town called Stevenson. It's yeah. on the water. Very, so some nice places to eat there. There's a very cute um, Clark and Louis is a cute place to eat okay. on the waterfront. So they've got indoor, outdoor, lovely little um, walking place. And I think a lot of people uh, do windsurfing there. I, I don't do yeah. windsurfing, but that's kind of nice. But my favorite, like when I have visitors, I take them on this little loop. Or my husband and I, because the this landscape changes in every season. So it's worth going multiple times to different places yep. every few months because it's completely different in summer, completely different in spring, autumn and winter. And there's so many places that are stunningly beautiful in winter. Um, so I don't miss out on any season. Um, so one of the places that is pretty close by to where I live is the Cedar Creek Grist Mill. And I think there's um, on, on Explore Washington State website, you've got um, someone's written a really good uh, write up on that, but it's a beautiful historic mill. Um, I think it's dating from like 1876 or something. So we've got this mill on this gushing, roaring creek and mm -hmm. this a hydropower um, 
like that powers the mill and they actually have demonstration of milling grains mm -hmm. you know they have the and you know with the pandemic things really kind of stopped mm -hmm. but i've heard that you know you can get they sometimes have like cornbread and this and that and the other thing you can go on a weekend and see how they mill the grains and all and then in autumn they have a beautiful cider pressing um with the apples and everything and it, it is so historically um preserved like it feels like you've gone back in time to little house on the prairie or something and um the entrance is this gorgeous old covered bridge and then this roaring stream and these incredibly gorgeous trees that are hanging over um, the stream that any time of the year, autumn it's lovely, spring it's lovely. And there's a walking trail and picnic benches. You can just sit there and, and watch the world go by kind of thing. There's not a lot of parking. Mm -hmm. So you either have to get there early or go on a weekday or something like that. Um, so that's one of the lovely places. And then not too far from there, probably about a 15 minute drive, um, there's a town called Yakult. And over there we have the Molten um, Falls and Lucia Falls. Mm -hmm. So these are actually more horizontal falls, but they're so pretty. They're like rapids kind of, you know, it's cascading rapids. So they're not really that vertical grandeur, but they're a lovely kind of, uh, there's I think lava rocks and it's actually almost black and gray like how mm. dark the rocks are there and again the parking is limited but there's some overflow parking and there's a lovely picturesque arched bridge which everyone either you know takes their picture over there because there's a beautiful <laughs> reflection very very pretty and there's I think there's quite a few miles of trails in the um, the Moulton Falls Regional Park and then you, you, it connects through to Lucia Falls. And Lucia Falls is, you can see the salmon uh, spawning and they, they jump upstream. Right. They're so we right. were there one time and we saw the jam salmon jumping up and it was such an arduous task for the poor salmon because there was this rushing current of water and they were trying to not only go upstream but go vertically up and then upstream. It was a sight to behold. It was really, really gorgeous. And again, there's lots of trails around there, picnic areas. And so that's a nice little loop that you can do that we do quite often. Okay. Um, that's what I really enjoy. And one more little tip that I would say, if you go north on I-5 as if from Vancouver, you're sort of heading to Olympia or mm. Tacoma or Seattle or whatever, about 40 minutes up I-5, 45 minutes, you take a left, go to Longview. There's nothing in Longview. That town is not very interesting. It's an industrial town, not much happening. But they have this gorgeous park that is almost um, Japanese-inspired, and it's called Lake Sakajawea Park. And there, there's a, a lake, and then there are bridges over the lake, and there, the plantations are absolutely gorgeous. Actually, I would say more... It's like a cross between a Japanese garden and Monet's lily garden kind of thing. Oh, okay. But in a small scale, teeny, sure. weeny, 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 tiny scale. And it has to be certain times of the year. So okay. in springtime, it's really beautiful, uh, beautiful place to walk and maybe just, you know, uh, have a picnic or whatever. So, yeah, I, I so, so that's the way, I can't remember the name of the highway, but there's a bridge that you go over 
and then you get onto Highway 30, which takes you to Astoria. And then from Astoria, you can go across the bridge to uh, Cape Disappointment and Long Beach in Washington, mm-hmm. um, which is a, just a little further out. I mean, that's how we kind of stumbled upon it because that's the route we took to go to the coast and mm-hmm. um, absolutely beautiful hidden gem. And only maybe a lot of locals go there. I don't think a lot of people would visit from our end. Okay. Two questions. I'm going to ask you a coffee question. When was the last time you were in Stevenson? Oh, Stevenson, Stevenson. Um, Probably, it was probably last summer, maybe, I'd say. So did you, not that you're a coffee person, but did you notice the, 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 I'll say there used to be, I don't know that it's, I I was there pre-pandemic. Um, I want to say it was Bigfoot coffee roasters and it was in a converted gas station. Did, does that ring any, any bells with you? Noah's okay. I'm just asking. Yeah. I don't, it it doesn't ring any bells. Okay. Um, I, because everything changed in the pandemic, like so many things got shut down. I stumbled um, into there one time, not stumbled, but I, I stumbled upon, uh, you know, coffee shop in a, in a gas station and you're kind of like, you know, but it was, it was a fabulous place. Okay. So the other question I have, when you're going out that direction, have you ever been to Goldendale? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. But we did it, how we did it was, um, not last year, but the year before, we decided to go to Leavenworth for Thanksgiving weekend. Okay. And that's how I found out about your beautiful town of Wenatchee, which is where we stayed. Okay. And so on the way back, um, so we we went to Leavenworth on Thanksgiving night when they first turned on the Christmas lights, the first night of the Christmas so lights. So there was nobody there. <laughs> Empty town, you had it all to yourself, you and 50,000 other people. We had, there were so many people and not a single place was open to eat. Nothing. There were two places to eat and there were queues like crazy. So luckily we were in a hotel in Wenatchee. And when we got there, they had an in-house restaurant and we got food and we were so happy. And so on our way back, we drove back the other way. And I'm not sure what highway that is, but we went on the east side and down to Yakima. And when we went to Yakima, then we came down through Goldendale, um, but we didn't like Marysville and all of that, but we didn't like, cause we were back from this long right. trip, didn't quite do anything much, just saw it. So <laughs> Goldendale is an interesting place. First off, it seems like it's windy there 365 days of the year. It just seems like there's, um, it's odd. Uh, had a guest on, uh, they own, uh, they run a reindeer farm there in Goldendale, which is pretty interesting. But my wife and I, I forget. Oh, I think we went and saw a friend's band play in Portland. <clears throat> there we go again. Um, that's not true. I never went to Portland. Um, no, it just came. Anyway, on the way back, we stopped at the Goldendale Observatory. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. So that's the large, what, at least what I recall, that's the largest privately funded telescope in North America. And it was built by volunteers so the building is really cool and we were there and it was a beautiful sunny day it was just it was it's absolutely in fact some photos popped up on my on my iCloud saying hey remember this type thing and I was like oh yeah it was a beautiful sunny day beautiful building and we're just walking around and, and the ranger goes hey do you guys want to come in we're going to be doing an, a, a 
uh, a speech. You know, do you guys want to come in? And you know, we decided to go in thinking, oh, sure. Well, we were there two and a half hours. It was, it was a two and a half hour presentation. We got to look through the telescope and, 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 and it was like, I had no idea it was going to be two and a half hours. It was, it was very cool, but it was long, but I highly recommend if you're at all interested in that stuff, that the Goldendale observatory is, is almost like, I'll call it a must see. Like when you go to that area again, add that to your, your guys's list. And it's, um, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. Um, and then go check out the reindeer farm too, because they're they're really nice yeah. people. But did you so, go? To, so you didn't go. So you didn't go to Mary Hill, but you. So you did you drive past the Stonehenge replica well, there? See, the problem is like because we were just so exhausted and trying sure. to get back. I found out later about that Stonehenge thing, mm -hmm. which I think we will go to see. Yeah. Because I'm always interested in these types of things. But I what I wanted to ask you was. Is the reason that the observatory is there is because it is a dark sky area? Like, is that known for being a dark sky area? No, I honestly, I could speculate and make something up that might be fun, but I don't know the answer for why mm. it got started mm. there. Um, I One of the things I've tried for the last couple of years is to have somebody from the observatory on the show to to talk about it. I just learned about the, the telescope because of the presentation. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I almost kind of think it was a, it's a good location. Yes, it's a good location, but I almost think it's where the volunteers were able to yeah. do it. And, and mm -hmm. there might've been somebody local in that area. Mm -hmm. um, but the stone, the Stonehenge Memorial, which is a tribute to fallen soldiers of world war one um, is a really interesting thing. And when you're up there, the views of the Columbia are magnificent. They're just, mm -hmm. they're magnificent. So you, sh you add that to your list of places to explore. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Like we did really want to go back there. And I think, I don't think we really have plans. It's, it's a little bit, so, so it's kind of long. So we need to know right. that we're going to be on a long right. day trip. Um, we don't necessarily always stay overnight. So it's just something we've got to plan ahead for. And then, you know, sometimes the weather's a little bit inclement and that highway, like we have to wait for good weather. Right. Um, every, sometimes I think I say to my husband, oh, let's do this. And then I think, oh, you know, there may be snow there. So we have to wait for all of that. To, like for Mount St. Helens, we were here for years before we went up to the Johnson Observatory because we always kind of missed out on that perfect <laughs> time to go there because the snow would be have that main road closed for such a long time. And then suddenly there's 10,000 people going there. So it's like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's like, it's almost much. like, you, it's almost like you went to Leavenworth on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, and then, and then when you do finally get there, it's like a hundred degrees. Cause that's kind of when, when it opens up and then it's so hot over there. So we did end up going. And it was like, we couldn't stay as long as, or we didn't walk as much as we thought we would or whatever. We did manage to see quite a bit, mm -hmm. but we did get a little sunburn and a little heat stroked and whatever. And there's almost almost no, no services up there. So whatever right. we brought, we brought. And then, um, yeah, it's kind of like, it's not, it's not like some beautiful cafe once you get up there or anything. Oh, no, it's, it's not. quite remote. It's quite remote, yeah. um, but, but incredibly uh and most incredibly wondrous piece of recent history i remember i think i was in um seventh grade or something when it happened and i'm like 
do volcanoes really explode in the modern era and do they do it in America and do they kill so many people? Like I was just like this 12 year old kid not knowing oh. <laughs> how that could possibly happen. And it's, uh, um, well, yeah, crazy. And we're on, you know, we're, you know, we're, the Cascade range is full of active volcanoes. You know, they're just kind of biding their time before, uh, you know, if the, if the scientists are right, you know, we're just, one of these days, you know, and that, you know, in, in geology speak, that could be the next thousand years. It could be tomorrow. We don't, we, we really don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, but, we like to live life on the edge over here, right? On that, <laughs> on the, we're on that um, earthquake volcano belt thing. <laughs> right. And, you know, and I grew up in the shadow of Mount Rainier as a kid in the Tacoma area, you know, is, is, is you know, right. Boom. There it is in your, your vision all the time. And, uh, you know, we've always pondered that, I guess, you know, it's like, hmm. but when St. Helens erupted, I was senior in high school and, um, yeah, I was a senior in high school and, uh, it was very weird. It was, it was very weird and it impacted in just ways you would never imagine. Like for years afterwards, you had to be very careful when you bought a used car because of all the ash that came out of the mountain it was getting in and causing cars to rust out and it wasn't you know so you're always worried if the car was you know was it you know not involved in the volcano but like was it from vancouver or from longview or olympia uh because it, it could have you know it had ash everywhere anyway i gotta ask you some questions because i'm on your website and i'm looking and you're you're a yoga instructor and you're doing all of these, um, you're a travel, a travel yeah. agent, in, agent. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, okay. So I'm just going to read your bio for you. Just, you know, and so <laughs> pardon me for saying this folks, but hi, I'm Tammy. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a certified yoga instructor, meditation guide, TEDx speaker, poet, storyteller, and well-being mentor. I love how ancient Eastern wisdom and practices such as yoga. And I can't say that word. What is that word? Qigong. Thank you. Offer a deep dive inward, inspiring us to explore the subtleties of the mind, body, and spirit. How did you get going on that path? Um, I've been practicing yoga for more than 20 years, and I um, studied transcendental meditation. Oh, okay. And I, uh, it was like I lived and breathed my yoga classes, it was the highlight of my day when I used to work at university. It was mm -hmm. kind of pretty intense numbers and KPIs and strategy and, um, you know, a lot of facilitation work, which is quite exhausting. Mm -hmm. And so the, that was my reprieve. And um, I made friends with a yoga instructor. She was this beautiful girl. She was from Israel. And she had, she had studied in an ashram in India. She lived close by to me. And so she was teaching at my local community center or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we started, we became very friendly. And then she started teaching further away um, from where we lived. And she used to have to catch like a, one or two buses. And I said to her, look, I live close to you and I'm coming to the, so I used to take the yoga teacher to class. <laughs> so that meant I had to go. Like I was like, you know, committed. It was That's uh, the workout buddy thing. Yeah. You're not going to disappoint somebody. That's awesome. Okay. Well, would disappoint everybody because she was right, the teacher, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So 
literally I would be so devoted. It would be after work. I would pick her up. We would go there. So that became like a beautiful kind of uh, re relaxation after work and a little bit of skill and going inwards and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and then when I came here to the United States, I, I told my husband, I don't want to do one of those corporate jobs as soon as I get here. I want to just see, I want to take a break and then see what calls to me. And so I don't know how I thought of it. It just came to my mind that maybe I should take a, uh, a teacher training course for yoga. I thought, well, maybe it'll help me develop my own skills and maybe I'll teach. And then the pandemic came and we'd learned a hundred, so it's 200 hours to begin with. So a hundred hours we did in, in person mm -hmm. and like almost on the second last day of our first lot of hundred hours, the pandemic, everything was shut down and the yoga studios were shut down and we were on zoom then for the next hundred hours. Mm -hmm. um, and my friends, everyone was shut in. Right. And so my friends said, Oh, okay. When you graduate, you have to teach us on zoom. And so I started teaching them on Zoom and then um, otherwise I don't think I would have had the courage to maybe teach online really. It's something not everyone did. You would teach in person. It's a different thing. And so that kind of broke the ice okay. for me. Uh, and then I started teaching meditation online and then we moved here. And when we moved here, um, it was still pandemic, but the summer came around and I got the idea to teach my neighbors in the neighborhood park in summer. So then I finally had my first in-person class, which was a group. So it just, um, it's, it was something that was a personal passion. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it really helped me when my husband wasn't well, because yoga, meditation, um, all of these things help you to have that resilience in across the board in your life and you, you create this reservoir for the times when they get challenging and tough. If you try and start yoga on a time when everything is like, you know, going down the sinkhole, it may not give you as much of a boost as if you'd been consistently practicing oh. and le no, learning those breathing techniques and learning that mindful presence just coming in, you know, to that moment, awareness, dampening down the nervous system, you know, things start to slow down. And there's this idea that you learn how to self-regulate. And when I'm self-regulating and I'm talking to you, Scott, if I'm doing a good job, I may start to co-regulate with you and you may feel your nervous system start to calm down. Mm -hmm. The heartbeat starts to the cadence starts to get into a nice, regular, gentle rhythm. The thoughts are less swelling. And so that's the, I just kind of did that with you. Right. But and I noticed that actually, I noticed there was this, this noticeable change in your, the way you presented things right there. And I felt it differently. So, I mean, it was, it was. Yeah. And, and so it's something interesting. And so I'm still a student because obviously, you know, when you're teaching, you're constantly honing your skills at how to teach. So I'm constantly like five days a week. I'm actually on zoom with my old studio back in Silicon Valley because they're all my teachers and I love them. And, mm -hmm. and so what happened was that I got um, a little bit of joint pain in my knees and hips and I couldn't teach all these 
difficult poses. So I went headlong into Qigong, which is um, it's an ancient Chinese um, movement practice, which is similar to Tai Chi, but much easier. There's no choreography. There's less that you have to flow and remember. It's more about moving the energy that's inside your body and harmonizing that with the earth, with the cosmos, with the natural world. Mm-hmm. And when we go out of balance, you know, we can get stuck emotions and stuck thought patterns and we move the body and breathe and visualize in a way that the stuckness gets just discharged from the body down into the earth. And then we nourish the tissues, the organs, the bloodstream, the lymph, all of that gets nourished as we move in unison with you know, the natural world, and then we harmonize everything. It's because we, in in traditional Chinese medicine, which is, uh, Qigong is part of traditional Chinese medicine, where we are trying to master, Qigong is about learning to work with the energy. And, you know, George Lucas, he knew it. It's what he calls the force, right? He learned it from Shaolin Temple, it wasn't his idea to begin with. And the force <laughs> is where you can use your mind and do all sorts of things, right? <laughs> so some of my students, they joke and they say, oh, I'm in Jedi training with Tammy and all of that stuff. It's not really that, but there's lots that you can achieve. And so, um, you know, we we learn how to move energy in our bodies because we, we have electrical, we're electromagnetic mm-hmm. Yep. Um, entities that have a you know charge and the earth has its own electromagnetic charge and the mm-hmm. cosmos has its own orbits and physics going around and so it's it's actually plain for the eye to see it just feels like it's woo-woo but it's actually not it's I, I thousands agree. and thousands of years of wisdom um, for us to be moving in harmony with what we call in in Qigong, we call the heavens and the earth or the cosmos and the earth, mm-hmm. right? And so that's kind of what I teach and what I do, um, which I love. And it's helped me so much. It helped me so much every time I've faced a challenge because what happens is the when you have hardship, trauma in your life, if you don't deal with it, it's get stuck in the tissues and the organs of the body. And that's how people get sick. There's many ways you can discharge it. Mm -hmm. One of which is to feel the feelings and let them go. And the other way is to to release it out of those tissues. It's locked up and we need to release it. Okay. Yeah. So I don't normally ask relationship questions, Mm. but you're in Australia and your husband went to Oregon state. How did you two meet? Uh, our family friends, um, our families were friends. So we, once again, he was in Oregon state. So I don't know. So that's a lot of mileage between. Yeah, no, um, um, it's actually cause our, both our families were originally from Pakistan. So he okay. grew up there and then we, I used to, I was born in Australia, but we used to visit every Christmas holidays. Okay. And so the family families were friends, and then that's how we okay um, right. met when we were teenagers, and then we rekindled sort of years later. We oh, kind okay. of found each other on the internet or whatever. On the internet. And, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's that's a cool story. All right. Very cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a couple more questions and we'll, we'll wrap this up. So how do I want to do this on your planning list right now for Washington state, got anything planned that you guys are going to go see anything this spring, summer that's on the, on the, like, we want to go here type thing. Hmm. Um, we have been to the San Juan Islands before, but I think we want to go again because we love it. And summer is such a fabulous time to go there. Um, and, uh, we just, we were just in Skagit Valley. We went to Bellingham mm -hmm. and I had no clue that Bellingham was like the prettiest town, <laughs> such a pretty, pretty town and such a beautiful historic old town and all of that. I just had no clue. And so um, we, on the way back, we came on 101. So we went down Deception Pass, Whidbey Island, took the ferry from Coopville to Port Angeles, and then came down 101, bypassed the Seattle traffic because it was like, a, you know, yeah. a weekday afternoon, I think it was whatever, and then hit Olympia. But on the way, from Port Angeles to Olympia, we didn't. I didn't realize the Olympic National Forest is so huge. We kept on driving and driving and driving, and the whole way down, we had the water bodies. The water body was on our left side, and Olympic National Forest edge, the right on the edge. So I think we have to have to go back there, and I'm not sure this. It's so huge that to say that I would need to pinpoint it, but I haven't done enough research, so that is definitely on my list because I mean, I don't know. I think oh, Washington beautiful. state is so pretty. Like it's so hard to choose. I even like I had, um, I met someone. So yes, I teach yoga, but I am also a travel advisor. Right. right. And so um, because yoga doesn't take all my time, I'm not like teaching 10 classes a day or anything. Um, and so that is, my passion it's what i'm trained in but i'm part of a company called fora travel it's a startup it's been wall street funded and they're what they're doing is making it's travel it's a travel agency for the modern era that there are insiders all over the world who are travel advisors with fora we're all independent but we have that umbrella we have training with them we have like so many affiliations with them on like almost every hotel in the world we can book you right mm -hmm. and we've got some excellent packages sort of with different groups right okay but um what they do is they put you, they'll tell you like why don't you try and get in touch with people in your state or in your area and just try and meet up or whatever so i met a wonderful girl from spokane but i haven't met her in person i just met her virtually and then i looked it up and i said wow that's a town worth visiting maybe and i just had no clue that Eastern Washington is so interesting. Um, and their downtown, I mean, I love to go to uh, like downtowns and see what's happening and what are the historical restorations and things like that. I don't know if we're gonna make it this summer. Maybe it's, is it a place do you think to go to in autumn? Is there like lovely uh, leaves we, there? Okay, I'm gonna have to, before I answer, I have to ha add some disclaimers here. Okay, number one, <clears throat> Contrary to what people say, I, I do like Spokane. Uh, mm. I, I made a reference one time that when I was a kid and look at me, I'm old. So a long time ago, uh, I didn't like Spokane and I grew up in Tacoma. We looked down on Spokane, which is kind of funny. If you think about Tacoma looking down on anywhere, anyway, <laughs> some people actually, and I have to, I do this every time, every, 
time I talk about Spokane, I have to add the disclaimer because I actually received multiple social media comments and multiple emails directly to me saying, how dare I talk disparagingly about Spokane? Okay. I think Spokane is a great place to go. I really do. That being said, I don't want to go to Spokane in the winter. So mm -hmm. it's just it, Eastern Washington. I live in Wenatchee. It's beautiful here. We get a, we get snow. I don't want to go anywhere anyway. Okay. So if you're going to go to Spokane in the fall, I think that's a lovely time of the year to go. Okay. Mm -hmm. Spokane is a really interesting place with lots and lots of things to do, things to see, great food scene. Uh, music scene's pretty good too. Um, in fact, my wife and I, we like to go see live music. And um, since we live in the middle, we can go to Seattle, we go to Spokane. They're about the same distance. We choose to go to Spokane most of the time. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely encourage you to go to Spokane. But I wouldn't encourage you to go during winter. Yeah, I was thinking, and I'm not sure, like, there's so many places that are ideal to go in summer that you would really, really just want to make sure, like, I think Olympic National Forest is something that I would go in summer, but maybe, you know, maybe not in the height of summer, in the height of tourist season, but maybe, you know, try and pick a time or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then fall is always a good place to just try and go somewhere where there's lots of beautiful color. Um, but yeah, so so interesting whether we island hop in the San Juans, I'm not sure, because we've been to Friday Harbor, mm -hmm. but I haven't been to Orcas and I haven't been to whichever other ones there are. Right. And then um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I would like to go to Bellingham again because we are just there overnight and it just seemed like there was a really good food scene. I thought mm -hmm. there's so many places I want to try and eat there. And the mm -hmm. summertime vibe was kind of happening because it was one of those 80 degree days, like last week or whatever it was. Right, right. And there was all these kids going down at the pier and jumping off the pier. It's like, <laughs> okay, in Australia, when I was young and I used to see people in these American movies and they'd be jumping into lakes and jumping onto, we don't have, we don't have a lot of lakes where I'm from. We have a beach, a beautiful Indian ocean beach. Right. And we have a river the river's a little salty and a little sea, like jellyfish and whatever. People okay. do like swim in the, in the river, but it's not like huge. But I've always kind of wanted to see like how it feels to jump off a pier and go into the water. So maybe I'm going to go. I like saw those okay. kids and I got so inspired, but I wasn't prepared. <sighs> I didn't have my bathing suit with me. Okay. Otherwise, I probably would have been jumping with them. <laughs> no, Bellingham's great. You should definitely yeah. go back to Bellingham. You should absolutely go check out Spokane. When you're over there, since you're going to be, you know, from Vancouver to Spokane, it's a bit of a, a commitment, right? It's a drive. Go to the Palouse Falls, mm. which is the state's official uh, waterfall. Beautiful. Now, that being said, the last time I was there, the road off the highway to the, the scenic area is... Uh, if you have any fillings, they will fall out of your head because your car will bounce so much. It is just, it's like driving on a washboard. It was just like, <laughs> and, but the payoff is wonderful. The The Palouse Falls is is absolutely stunning. Um, and so that should be uh, maybe a detour to on the way to or from Spokane. Okay. That would be my, my, uh, my recommendations uh, for you there. Um, San Juan, you can't go wrong. I mean, let's let's just be honest. You can't. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about Washington State. There's really no wrong answers to like 
where to go. Okay. All right. So a couple last things as we wrap this up. Uh, number one, what didn't I ask you that I should have? Good question. Um, I don't know. Um, oh, yeah. How did I become a travel advisor? Okay. How did you become a travel advisor? Glad I well, asked. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a bit of a social media um, junkie. I'm self-admitted. I hope I don't use it in a bad way, but I like get a lot of information. I'm so connected in Vancouver to the wellness community, to whatever, because of social media, I always see what's happening, what's going around. And so there was an ad on Instagram about, are you the go-to person in your friends and family group for travel tips and suggestions and whatever? If so, would you like to join this organization? We want people on the ground who know their area, who know um, inside information about where they've traveled or where they live or whatever. And then you can join our organization and we'll train you and give you whatever like resources you need. And mm -hmm. then you can, you know, have access to all of these fabulous deals and discounts and perks and things for your prospective clients. And so then I think they were just starting and they've now won like so many different awards, like fast company, this and that. They're like a startup to watch. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I was one of the first 80 people like really in the early days, I like met the co-founders and was, they said, yep, sure. You know, we have to like vet you or whatever, but yeah, we want you in. Mm -hmm. Now there is like a 30,000 person wait list wow. to become an advisor. Um, in those days, it was just like beta or whatever. And so we were invited in or what have you. Now, I think when you become an advisor, you have to pay a quarterly um, fee, but there are thousands and thousands and thousands of us now, and everybody has so many really good tips and and experiences that for their own travels and for their clients' travels. And we have this community forum where we share all of this information. If I need to know anything about anywhere, I put it in the forum and someone will answer me okay. to the umpteenth level of detail about where to eat and what kind of um, car service can give you the the baby seat and what won't and what you know oh. just tiny many little details like that and um you know really where do locals eat what do they do where do they shop where do they stay things like that um and so that kind of was fun because it's it's a little different it's not your amex it's not your big big box kind okay. of um company it's like it's, there's a very interesting niche well-traveled well-informed locals who mm -hmm. can give you the inside information and make the trip like amazing okay um hmm. so we'll segue from that to where can people find out more about you online okay so for my travel, um, I'm at um, Fora Travel. So if you go to foratravel.com and then you just put a backsplash and you write Tammy Bucks, T-A-M-M-Y-B-U-X, my um, profile will come up. So I've actually written, uh -oh, dare I say, I've, I've written some guides on the Columbia River Gorge. Um, so I look at both Oregon and Washington side and I just wrote 
um, a, a guide to you tell Astoria. everyone not to go to the Oregon side. You just yeah. Do... Okay, good, good. <laughs> and um, yeah, just stuff that I've done, and then so that's my travel side of things. Okay. And you can find out like so. The the best thing is we give the same rates as on the website, but we'll add in perks or whatever, no extra cost to you because mm-hmm. we've got these arrangements and just very bespoke VIP treatment, what have you, in okay. certain hotels around the world. And then for my um, Qigong and yoga and meditation, it's radiancewellbeing.biz. That's my website. And you can find out, you know, I'm holding events like um, in a few weeks' time, I've collaborated with a beautiful local flower farm and we're going to be creating botanical um, infused bouquets and then we'll go out into the garden and practice Qigong with our feet into the grass and under mm. the sky. And it's going to be a beautiful, like, self-care day. Okay. Um, yeah. So, That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to have an online presence soon, of online teaching, but I haven't started that yet. Well, we'll put links to those in the show notes so people can just click on them too. All right. So normally the most important question on the show is coffee, but we've already we've already passed that. So the second most important question, which is the one we always end with, you ready? Sure. This is important. Cake or pie and why? Um, I think I will. Oh, well, oh, then it depends if I'm in Australia or America. I'll, I'll tell you what. Answer the question for, for America, please. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think I will say pie. Why? And what? How is it? American is apple pie. Like to be an American to have pie, it's just like so iconic. Okay. And it's so cheesy and cliched, but it's so cool. Okay. There's no wrong answer here, by the way. There's no. There's no wrong answer. But now. Yeah, but- you can go to like a dive. Like not even a dive. You can go to a chain diner and you'll still get a pretty decent pie a la mode or with whipped cream. And it's just, yeah, comfort food. Cake, you never kind of know what you're getting. That's what I feel. All right. But now you said Australia. So Mm. what's, if you were in Perth, what would the answer be? Cake, 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 cake. Okay. So why? Um, so where I'm from in Perth, it's pretty multicultural. We've got lots of Italian, Greek, and Asian influence and Southeast Asian influence. But when I was growing up, we had this Italian bakery, like sort of in the inner city. Mm-hmm. I think it's been there since 1950-something. Okay. And family-owned and run until recently. And they made this St. Honoré cake. So the St. Honoré cake is like sponge with different flavored custard. Um, and then it has a puff pastry base and it's got profiteroles around it. Mm. And so it's got coffee cream and strawberry custard and just different mm. layers. And it is the most delicious cake. And we always had it at our family birthday parties. So I had it when I was one year old um, and it's always, always been there. And it is just delicious beyond words. And um, there's something about Italian pastries and cakes they're light they're not too sweet um they make a really lovely sponge and flavored custards and things like that and um 
it's even more delicious the next day for breakfast. <laughs> well, I mean, oh. you should, you, we should always always start I just with lost dessert. My earphone. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I remember on my my fortieth um, birthday we got that cake, and then we had it for breakfast the next day as well. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, Tammy, I really appreciate you sitting down with me today. Uh, I think. I, what I'm impressed with is you're a newcomer to the state and yet you've made a big effort to get out and explore your, your community and the region. Uh, we won't give you too hard of a time about going to <clears throat> <clears throat> no, um, lovely state too, actually. Um, Beautiful. Have you you've been to the Oregon coast? I assume you've been yeah. down to yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just that's just yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. Yes, but one thing I didn't mention is Cape Disappointment Beach mm-hmm. and the lighthouse and Long Beach with the oh, with yeah. that beautiful new boardwalk and the kite festival. Like yeah, you know, no, no, no we're there's, there's lots happening there. We're we're upping our our beach game in the state. Yeah. We are. We're but yeah. okay. But I do. I just think it's great because so many of us, you know, we move to a community wherever it may be, and we just you know, we hunker down and watch Netflix and, and stay in our homes and we don't get out and explore uh, our communities and our areas and Vancouver, you're lucky. I mean, you've got, you can go, well, you know, you can go to Oregon. I mean, as much as I tease you, but you know, you can go to the Pacific very easily. You can go East along the, the gorge. You can go North up to, you know, Mount St. Helens. All of those are easy day trips, if you will. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you want to, you're not that, it's not that hard to get to Bellingham and Bellingham's a great mm-hmm. place. You should go to Port Townsend. If you haven't been there, you should go check oh, out Port Townsend's okay. a lovely, Port Townsend's a lovely, uh, lovely place. Um, definitely. Oh, hold on. I think I got mistaken. I, I wonder where the ferry from Coopville was to Port Townsend I and think not it is Port Townsend. Angeles. It's Port That's Townsend. what I got yeah, confused. Yes, yes. Yeah. So you should, you should go spend an afternoon or a day in mm-hmm. Port Townsend. It's a, it's a lovely place. Um, Really nice. Port, Port Angeles is great too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but, and then the Olympic national, um, you know, there's just so much to do here. So um, thanks again. And I, um, I wish you all the best in your, in your yoga and travel and, and, uh, and hopefully you can get back to Perth and have that cake. Cause you made it. That sounds pretty darn good. Oh, <laughs> uh, it is heaven on a plate. I must say. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Scott. And I look forward to more collaborations with Explore Washington State oh, yeah. in the future. Let's do something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll be writing some articles. So awesome. watch out for that. <laughs> awesome. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at Explore Wa State. I'd love to hear your comments. You can also visit our website at explorewashingtonstate.com. If you know anyone who would like the show, it'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. Glad you were here with me today, and I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.